2: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we look at the impact of climate change both locally and globally, first with a new UCLA study. It predicts warming temperatures will cause more extreme rainfall events in California, known as atmospheric rivers, that could overwhelm reservoirs and cause widespread flooding. We'll find out why study authors say building more reservoirs is not the answer. Then, ProPublica and the New York Times Magazine have developed models that show how people from Central America will migrate over the next several decades to escape drought and starvation caused by climate change. Tens of millions of climate refugees are expected to make their way to the U.S. That's all next on Forum. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Nina Kim. It might be hard to think about intense bursts of rain coming to California as we deal with current hot and dry conditions, but come they will, say UCLA climate scientists, in the form of a weather phenomenon known as atmospheric rivers that will only intensify as temperatures warm over the coming decades. The problem is the state does not have enough reservoir capacity to capture it all, meaning California's water managers have their work cut out for them. Here to tell us more is Alex Hall, Professor of Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences at UCLA. Thanks for joining us, Alex Hall.
3: It's great to be with you.
2: Also with us is Paul Rogers, Environment Writer for the San Jose Mercury News. Paul, thanks for being here. Good morning. And so, Alex Hall, I'll start with you first. Can you just remind us what atmospheric rivers are and what causes them?
0: Well, atmospheric
3: rivers are these uh, filaments of of water in the atmosphere. Um, they're they're very very wide um, compared to actual rivers, and they come from the tropics, and they are um, responsible for bringing precipitation to California during the winter time. So most of our precipitation comes from these atmospheric rivers. So when these atmospheric rivers hit the Coastal topography, um, the air rises and it condenses and produces precipitation. And then when these atmospheric rivers hit the Sierra Nevada again, um, the air rises and precipitation is produced and we we get a lot of rainfall and and often also snowfall um, in the wintertime in the Sierra Nevada producing our, our snowpack.
2: Yes, it feels like they've intensified over the years or become even wetter. Is that not just our imagination?
3: There's there's some evidence that we've had um, some intensification of atmospheric rivers, although those those effects are are so far pretty small. But in the future, we do expect them to become significantly more intense.
2: And when you say significant and more intense, why in the future, and what kind of intensity are we talking about? What could it do?
3: Yeah. So that um, brings up the study that we just released. Um, we we looked at the. Um, historical atmospheric rivers, the most extreme ones, the ones that happen roughly after every 10 years. And we looked at the, um, the same types of events in the future at the end of the 21st century. Um, and we asked ourselves, you know, what, what would happen in a, in a warmer world um, where the atmosphere has a lot more moisture and these atmospheric rivers are holding a lot more moisture? What would happen to the precipitation in California? And um, we found that the Um, increase in precipitation is is quite significant. Um, Something like an increase of about 25% in the total amount of precipitation um, falling during these most extreme atmospheric river events. And then when you um, also toss in the fact that these events are happening in a warmer world, um, roughly three to six degrees Fahrenheit warmer, um, a lot more of that precipitation is coming as uh, rain rather than snow, especially in the Sierra Nevada. Um, and that means that not only is there more water coming in, but more of it's coming in as in the liquid form. Um, and that means that the amount of runoff at the surface um, would go up by about 50%. Um, so um, because of, the, the, of more water coming in and more of it coming in as um, rain rather than snow, there's a disproportionate increase in runoff, and that has big consequences for flooding and flood risk.
2: And when you say disproportionate increase in runoff, I mean an increase by how much potentially?
3: Yeah, so the increase in precipitation that we project is roughly around 25%, but the increase in runoff is about 50%. um, And that's because, um, again, this increase in precipitation um, is accompanied by a conversion of the um, the, the water from frozen format snow <laughs> to liquid, um, and so when that precipitation comes down, um, it's much more likely to run off, <clears throat> and and so it 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 becomes um, very quickly it turns into flow in our rivers and streams.
2: And Paul Rogers, I mean, does this square with other studies that have come out talking about the impact of atmospheric rivers, the fact that we could see more of them uh, in the coming decades? And do you think we have the water infrastructure to handle it?
0: Um, That's a good question. You know, we have kind of a a love-hate relationship with atmospheric river storms in California. Um, a lot of people call them Pineapple Express storms, uh, and, and as Alex said, they are these giant conveyor belts of water in the sky, and um, we're learning a lot more about them. Uh, we have been in recent years, and so, you know, they can bring 25 times the volume of the Mississippi River uh, to California, and so in years where we uh, uh, have a number of them, you know, 10, 15 or more, uh, they can account for 50% or more of our precipitation. I mean, it's the difference between whether we have a drought or whether we don't. Um, The problem is when we get big, strong ones, they also cause mayhem. Uh, It wasn't that long in 2017, remember, that a series of atmospheric river storms um, basically wrecked the spillway at Oroville Dam, and we had to evacuate nearly 200,000 people um, at the same time, It was also flooding downtown San Jose and causing $100 million damage. So these storms um, bring the water we need, but they also can bring destruction. And, yeah, there have been uh, some other studies in recent years talking about um, more violent weather swings uh, over the next, you know, um, few generations from climate change. And so the question is, is California's water system ready to deal with that? And the answer is not really.
2: Not really, and we'll dig into that more in just a minute. But let me invite our listeners to join the conversation because we have you both with us for this opening half hour of our 10 o'clock hour. And so if you have questions for Alex Hall or Paul Rogers, call us at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. We're talking about a UCLA study that predicts widespread climate-induced flooding in California by the 2070s because of a changing weather pattern in the Sierra Nevada that's leading to less snow, and more extreme rainfall. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to them at forum at kqed.org. Again, Alex Hall, Professor of Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences at UCLA and Paul Rogers, Environment Reporter for the San Jose Mercury News. So... Say a little bit more about that, Alex Hall. I mean, one of the things that you've pointed out is that our reservoir capacity probably can't handle all of this increased runoff over the coming decades. But, but you also say that building more reservoirs isn't the answer. Why not?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> Paul alluded to the kind of the dual nature of the atmospheric river events. They they bring us our water supply. Um, um, and they also cause flooding. And the whole water resource infrastructure is really um, built around you know, the climate that we had. Um, and, um, and so you know, when you have a fixed amount of reservoir capacity and you have an assumption that all of um, the water that comes from the Upstream rivers is stored in the form of snow in the Sierra Nevada, Um, And that that runoff would then um, flow very predictably over the course of the summertime as the snowpack melts into these reservoirs as they're emptied and then refilled um, continuously over the summertime. You know, that whole scenario just doesn't work um, in a future where the water is coming in the form of rain much more and there's a lot more of it. So you'd expect a lot more precipitation in the wintertime um, to be running off, to be filling these reservoirs potentially catastrophically and really... um, preventing us from storing that water in the reservoirs um, in a way that's safe um, for um, for flooding. Um, So it's a big challenge for our um, water water resource infrastructure and our ability to store the water that comes to us in the form of precipitation. Um, So what's to be done um, is the other question you asked. And and that is a tricky one um, because the, um, Reservoirs—you um, uh, know—pretty much most, all of the um, the streams in California and the rivers have been impounded by reservoirs already. So there's not a lot of opportunity for more reservoir construction. Um, and the reservoirs themselves have um, really um, big impacts on on the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, they affect a lot of um, a lot of um, plant and animal species that rely on flows. Um, in, in, in streams and rivers. Um, and so, um, so, and at the same time, we had these huge opportunities um, in groundwater storage. Um, we have much more capacity to store water in groundwater than we do in the reservoirs. And um, we've been depleting these groundwater aquifers um, at a much greater rate than they have been replenish, replenished. And that's been resulting in a lot of problems, for example, in the Central Valley, where you have subsidence of land, um, so if we could do a better job with replenishment of groundwater um, and and actually taking advantage of these very significant um, um, aquifers and storage facilities that we effectively have in the form of groundwater, um, we could handle this problem probably pretty effectively.
2: So in terms of increasing our groundwater reserves or groundwater capacity, Paul Rogers, I mean, do you think that that is a really sound strategy and direction to move into. And are we already testing ways to do this or?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I think we're gonna need all the different tools in the toolbox. Um, You know, the the California water is incredibly complicated, but um, if you pull way, way back, it's fairly basic. Uh, And the basic calculation is this, three quarters of the rain and the snow falls in Northern California, but three quarters of the people live in Southern California. So we have built this, um, you know, one of the world's uh, largest systems of dams, aqueducts, canals, pumps, etc., to move that water from the north to the south. Uh, and, and as Alex said, uh, that was built uh, starting, you know, about the 1930s. Uh, and the world has changed a lot since then. Um, and so what we're going to have to do is figure out how to catch those bigger wetter slugs of water when they come all at one time because right now the way the system works the sierra nevada snowpack is the largest reservoir in california right? We get snow, uh, we all look at what the snowpack levels are through the spring, and then as it melts um, through the spring and the summer, the water comes down normally in a fairly orderly way, and so the, the dams that we have built around the state catch that water. We have operators who release it in different levels and different amounts, and if you do everything right, you end up with a full reservoir at the end of the winter and no flooding, and that system works pretty well, actually. If you think about it, this year we didn't have a very very good winter. The snowpack was only about 50 percent of normal. Rainfall in Northern California was 50 percent of normal. But we don't have water shortages this summer because it was wetter last year and we caught a lot of that water. That water is money in the bank, just like you have savings uh, for rough times. And so um, going forward, the state is going to have to do a number of things. Uh, When we had our last big drought, the voters passed Prop 1 in 2014, which was a $7 billion water bond Uh, There was $2.5 billion in that bond um, for new storage. That money has been uh, basically earmarked by the state, starting with the Brown administration a couple of years ago. Half of it's going to go to new reservoir projects, half of it to the kind of groundwater storage, like Alex mentioned. Um, Most of the kind of reservoir projects that have any chance politically in California now are off-stream projects where you're building a new reservoir that's not damming a a free-flowing river and killing fish. Um, Even better yet, politically, are raising existing dams. You know, it's a good example, um, Los Vaqueros Reservoir in eastern Contra Costa County, which was built in the late 90s. uh, That has been raised, uh, and that helped the Bay Area get through the drought uh, over over the the five-year period recently. There's a proposal which got 500 million dollars from this water bond I just mentioned to raise it again by 55 feet, which would increase the size of that reservoir by about 70 percent. Uh, environmentalists don't even oppose that project. Um, you're basically flooding, um, you know, a small amount of, of, you know, cow pasture out in the eastern Sierra. So, or not the eastern Contra Costa. So those kind of projects I think are likely to happen. We're also going to see a lot of the kind of things where we're flooding farm fields. Uh, in wet years, letting that water soak into the ground, uh, we're going to see more stormwater recapture like we're al- already starting to do in Southern California, uh, recycled water, um, smarter conservation and incentives. But um, yeah, we've got to catch all that water when it comes down in one slug because we're not going to have many other options in some years.
2: Well, it sounds like you're saying that you believe, based on all the efforts, uh, <laughs> that we can, in fact, do this, that we can... Deal with the changes that could come as a result of these wetter years, well, reduced snowpack yeah, and I the mean, like.
0: we, can do, we can deal with climate change, too, but it's going to cost hundreds of billions of dollars. And our systems aren't really set up for it. I mean, look at what happened to Oroville Dam. Yeah. You know, Oroville Dam is the tallest <laughs> dam in the United States. It was built in the 60s and the spillway just crumbled in front of our eyes. If that if that would have broken that dam, it would have killed 100,000 people like a nuclear bomb. Um, we have dams like that all over the state. Um, so the, the state has to modernize and upgrade all of this kind of, you know, flood control uh, and, and dam and water infrastructure. Because California is, is a fascinating place. It gets 15 inches of rain a year in Los Angeles, Fresno, and San Jose. That's the same amount as Casablanca, Morocco. So we don't have a modern economy. We don't have agriculture. We don't have Hollywood or Silicon Valley without these water projects. And they're outdated we got to modernize them. And <clears throat> as the professor says, uh, the clock is ticking.
2: Well, this listener writes, please ask Prof Hall about the, quote, ridiculously resilient ridge identified by Stanford's Noah Diffenbaugh. The ridiculously resilient ridge, uh, Dr. Hall?
3: Yeah, well, that refers to um, the the high pressure that developed um, over the North Pacific from around 2011 to 2015, when we had a very deep drought in um, in California, um, um, and that um, so so when there's a ridge, you know that's that that prevents precipitation from from occurring and these atmospheric rivers from coming to California. Um, and that question is a rem- is a reminder to us all that there's the other side of the extremes coin, which is um, when we don't have precipitation, when when we have deep droughts. And um you know the the climate science that we have right now suggests that those droughts will also um, become deeper. Um, and so that just underscores again, the need for us to be storing water um, better and more effectively um, so that um, we can capture the water when it comes in these um, in this flashier way. And, and have it available for the times when, when these atmospheric rivers are not coming to California as much and, and we don't have um, the water resources um, from precipitation that we need.
2: Well, let me go to caller Kevin in Windsor. Hi, Kevin.
3: Hi, how are you doing? Well, um, I had a question for the guest. Um, in his research, I was wondering if it shed any light on what the implications could be on economy and industry if these atmospheric rivers uh, touch down in California.
2: Kevin, thanks. Alex Hall?
3: Well, you know, we didn't we <laughs> didn't get into the um, the impacts um, on you know on on economics and 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 industry and, and infrastructure. Um, the focus study was really just focused on uh, on the natural system and what happens to the natural system. But we do need um, to be um, you know getting getting the information flowing as well. Um, so we we definitely need. To be doing a a better job um, quantifying the impacts on um, say on streamflow, um, and in order to do groundwater projects or to manage our reservoirs better, we need to quantify these changes in flows very precisely, um, so that um, so that the so that we can we can really have best practices around water water management um, in in California. So. I think the, the, um, the caller is, is highlighting um, a real need for um, this information to be produced and to be used more effectively.
2: And let me bring in Mishwa in San Francisco. Hi, Mishwa.
4: Hi, good morning. Um, I really want to thank the speakers for focusing on groundwater storage rather than more dams. And I'm wondering if um, either of them could comment on a system of land Uh, conservation, landscaping called permaculture that um, uh, is designed to hold water on site and spread it out and sink it in. And due to all the recent wildfires that we've had, our watersheds have been seriously damaged and their capacity to hold water has been diminished. So I'm thinking that if we had some type of Green New Deal that would plant trees on contour, especially in the slope areas of the uh, lower Sierras, and um, enable, enable the ground to hold more water and then filter it as it goes down into the valley mm-hmm. where it can also be stored. And so I'd like to know if you're familiar with permaculture and um, if that might um, be
2: part of a solution. Mishwa, Thank thanks. Thank you very much. Paul Rogers, any thoughts permaculture
0: landscaping? Yeah, there have there have been uh, some pilot projects that we that we've seen in recent years uh, where uh, farmers are paid basically to flood uh, to flood their fields to flood orchards um, in ways when we have wet years that that water can percolate down and recharge groundwater aquifers. Um, You know, part of the challenge of California water is that it was only recently, about five years ago, that we got a statewide law that regulated groundwater. Uh, You know, until then, California was basically the last state in the West uh, because of objections from farmers uh, to regulate in any way the groundwater. So that's been part of the problem with, with groundwater storage. You know, you might put water under your field somewhere in the Central Valley, but then if your neighbor five miles away or less... Drills a deeper well they can suck up all your water. Uh, You don't have to report to the state how much you're taking out. Uh, We have ground sinking uh, in many places. Uh, It's been kind of a wild west so if that's going to be a big part of the future of storage um, we have to do better regulating it and you know a landmark law that Jerry Brown signed uh, five years ago is beginning to kick in basically this year where all of these um, places where you have the most overtapped groundwater basins have to come up with plans to bring them into balance, uh, which is going to mean taking less water out uh, in a lot of places, uh, but also putting more in. So that is one of the options.
2: Well, this listener writes, water managers are clearly storing too much water, leaving too little capacity for atmospheric river events. They must store less to protect us. Then we need to bite the bullet and reduce our water usage. And this listener writes, how can Bay Area communities prepare to mitigate flooding from atmospheric rivers? Does it make sense for all municipalities to adopt green infrastructure practices, such as repaving with permeable materials or expanding marsh areas to help drainage and prevent flooding? I mean, I think, Alex Hall, what both of these questions are getting to is... Are this the sense of what can we do? I mean, can we do things now to stave this off, this sort of you know future that that you have projected for us?
3: Yeah, well, you know, I think that um, that, um, that this you know I think we 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 know that in California, water is a really precious resource, and um, and that and and that our local uses of water. Matter too, and to the extent that we can be more careful about how water is used um, in our, in our own households and our own businesses, um, that that also helps. You know, one, one way to, um, to to you know prevent us from needing to to to, to store water and to, to manage water is to is to not use water. Also, so I think water conservation is a piece of the as well.
2: Alex Hall, Professor of Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences at UCLA, thanks so much for talking with us this morning, and thanks for the study.
3: It's been my pleasure. Thank you.
2: And Paul Rogers, Environment Reporter at the San Jose Mercury News. And Paul, just want to tell you how always blown away I am by the breadth and depth of your knowledge and and the incredible science and environment coverage you've built here at KQED. Thank you so much for coming on, Paul.
0: Thank you. My pleasure.
2: And uh, Susan Britton produced this segment. I'm Mina Kim. We'll be talking more climate change this time with a global focus after the break. So stay with us.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.